What I want to do is I want us to get into uh, this teaching that we're going to be talking about this morning because I'm excited about it. It is called God has got your back. God has got your back. In fact, somebody go ahead right now. Let's pause and put that in the comment section. Put that in the comment section right now. You do that while I grab a drink of water. Put that in the comment section and say, God has got my back. God's got me. God's got my back. And I was thinking about uh, our guiding word. And if you heard Pastor Ralph's uh, message on Wednesday night, um, the title of his message was God's got you. God's got you. And he was talking about how, how sometimes it may not seem like it, but that God has us. And we have to be confident to know that, you know, God didn't call us out of darkness into light so that he could then just drape us with darkness. That's not the character of God. And so I was thinking about our guiding word, and I'm not going to read all of it, but there are four things I want to point out this morning uh, in, in the guiding word that I want us to think about as we talk about God has got my back or God's got your back, right? Number one, he says, I am your father in covenant, okay? That's something we need to really grab hold of, that God is our father and not just our father, but he's a father who made covenant to be our father. See, there are people out in the world who have fathers, but they don't have any covenant with them. They don't have any connection with them, but God says, I am your father in covenant. Number two, he says, stay calm, no matter what you notice happening in the world. He says, stay calm. How can I be calm with everything going on the way it's going on? Because God's got me. Number three, he says, I've got you. <laughs> I've got you. I'm telling you to stay calm because I've got you. I, I knew everything that was going to happen, when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen, and why it was going to happen. I got you. And then I love the reassurance he gives us in his fourth point. He says, and all shall be well. Somebody type that in the comment section. All shall be well. Listen, there's about 55 of you on here right now. Come on, tag some other people. Tell them, get over here. They need to be hearing this message. They need to be hearing what's going on. And then I need all 55, okay, all 60 of you now. I need all 60 of you typing in the comment section and saying, all shall be well. Come on, that's your declaration to yourself. Let your let it come out of your mouth. Let your ears hear it. Let your eyes see it. Let it get into your heart in abundance. All shall be well. Now, this morning, I just came by here for a few moments because I wanted to share with you this message that I believe is deeply connected to our life battles. It is deeply connected to the vibrance of the test that we face in life. And I believe it can be a beacon of light for all of us in our darkest hours. And we know that we will have some dark times. There will be some things that happen in our life that would not be things we expected, right? There will be things that, that we didn't think were coming and they may do what we call sucker punch us, right? But we know that if we will hold on to this word, it will be a beacon of light in our darkest hours. I want to begin with John chapter 16, verse 33. Now, I won't have a lot of banners popping up today, but all of these scriptures will be in the comment section. So you may want to get you a paper and pencil and you may just want to jot it down. Uh, that way you can go back and study it. OK, 
John chapter 16, verse 33 says this. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. That word peace is the word shalom. It means nothing missing and nothing broken. It says in this world, you will have trouble. See, he's already told us in this world, we're going to have some troubles. He says, but take heart. In other words, gather your heart. Stay calm no matter what you see happening around you. Take heart. Why? He says, for I have overcome the world. Now, notice this. Jesus is encouraging us as believers with this assurance of his victory. And his victory is over the world. He says, everything that could happen, I already have the victory over it. He says, and I'm giving you my assurance that I have the victory over it. He says, and if you will remain in me and you allow my word to remain in you, the same victory, praise God, the same victory that I have, you too will have, even though you experience trouble in this world. Listen, God has your back and all shall be well. Listen, anytime that you start to think about something while I'm preaching today and you just think about how good God has been, feel free to type in the comment section, God's got my back. Feel free to type in the comment section, all shall be well. I don't care if you have to put it in there 15 times in order to convince yourself and get your mind to catch up with what the spirit is saying. And that is that all shall be well. He says, I am your father in covenant. He says, I want you to stay calm no matter what you notice happening in the world. He says, I've got you. And then he says, all shall be well. Now, let me lay out real quick for you this morning something that I believe is so important, champions. I came to tell you this morning that no matter what you have been through, no matter what you are going through, no matter what you may face in the future, your heavenly father has always been there. It may seem like you said, I don't know where God is in this. Your heavenly father has never left you. Not since the beginning of time has he ever desert, deserted his creation. In fact, he so wouldn't desert us that he gave the world his only begotten son so that whosoever would believe in his son would be saved and repositioned with him. Now, hear me when I say this. When I say that God's got your back, this isn't just a casual phrase from our 2024 guiding word. It is a powerful and profound truth that when we lay hold to it, it will absolutely sustain us. When we are close to giving up, when we're close to giving in, when we're close to quitting, God's word, this promise that he has our back, that he will not leave us, that all shall be well, will give us strength even in our darkest of times. I was reading this week and I was reading in Psalms chapter 46. And in Psalms chapter 46, we find this reassuring promise. It is a divine guarantee that during life's chaos, the presence of God is and should always be the place where we run to for our refuge and our strength. Let me just read it. Psalms 46, one through three. It says, God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in the time of trouble. It says, therefore, we will not fear, praise God. It says, though the earth be removed 
And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, that sounds like great calamity. He says, even though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, he's talking about the oceans taking over the land and, and, and coming out of their place in the sea. He says, though the mountains begin to shake with the swelling thereof, he says, earthquakes making mountains fall. He said, even if all of these things are happening, go back to that first part of that scripture, he says. He says, God is still your refuge. Praise God. God is still your strength. Praise God. He is still a very present help in the time of trouble. Listen, if we was over there at the huddle, right, in, 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 in about an hour, I'd have everybody just stop and give God about 13 seconds of praise. Because I'm telling you, there's a reason to praise Yahweh. Why? Because he is our refuge. He is our strength. And he is a very present help in the time of trouble. Now, when you read Psalms 46, I want you to understand that this passage of scripture isn't just words. It's not just a song they were singing. It is a testament to God's unwavering support in our lives. God wants to be involved in our lives. God doesn't want us just going through life without his assistance. It is his good pleasure to give us the assistance to cause us to live the abundant life. And when I say the abundant life, I'm not just talking about wealth and riches. I'm talking about the abundant life in your health, the abundant life in your relationships, the abundant life on your jobs, the abundant life in every area, every facet of your life. God wants to assist you. In fact, some of you go ahead and type this in the comment right now. Say, God wants to assist me. God wants to assist me. Now, let me be clear, though. Being faithful does not make us invulnerable of life's challenges, all right? Because Jesus told us in this world, we would have troubles. Now, even the most believing believer is going to face some hardship at some point in their life. We know this because the Bible teaches for our understanding about the life of Job. The Bible reminds us in Job chapter 14, verse 1, it says it like this. It says, man that is born of a woman is a few days and then full of trouble. In other words, Job said it doesn't matter who you are, what your status is, what your race is, what your gender is, what your social economic status. If you are born into this world, at some point in this world, you will have troubles. He even says a person who was born of a woman is just a few days and then full of trouble. So we're all going to experience trouble. But God makes a difference between us and them. Ooh, glory to God. What do I mean by that? God makes a difference between those who trust and believe in him and those who don't. So we're all going to face trouble. The difference is who you're going to have on your side when the trouble comes. Glory to God. Who are you going to have on your side? For me and my house, Jesus will be on our side. Amen. Now, just look at the story. If you could, for a moment, just let your mind run back to the story of the children of Israel when they were at the Jordan River. Listen, they were faced with great uncertainty. God had promised them through Moses that he would use them. But in Deuteronomy 31 and 6, this is what he tells them. He told them, he said, be strong and of good courage. He tells them, fear not, 
And anytime we see fear not, we know that there's an opportunity to fear. So he tells them, fear not. He says, and don't be afraid of them. So don't be afraid that it's not going to be work. It's not going to work out. And don't be afraid of whatever that problem is. He, here's the reason. He says, for the Lord thy God, praise God, he it is that doeth go with thee. Notice, he says, it's God who goes with you. Because God goes with you, you can be strong and of good courage. Because God goes with you, you don't have to fear. Because God goes with you, you don't have to fear your enemy. Why? Because God is with you. It is he that goes with you. He then said, he was with them, never failing or abandoning them. He noticed even in the midst of trouble, even when problems come, even when we get sucker punched, even when we have bad times, even when it gets dark, God is still there. God is still with us, never failing. Praise God. He's a God that never fails, never failing and never abandoning us. Listen, in every challenge, God assures us I've got your back. In James chapter one, verse two and three, and in first Peter four, 12 through 14, support this idea. They remind us that our trials are not signs of God leaving us, but rather opportunities for us to deepen our relationship with him. Let me say that again. James one, two through three, in case you're writing it down. First Peter chapter four, 12 through 14 supports this idea that God has got our back. Why? Because they remind us that our trials, the things we go through, are not signs of God leaving us, but rather opportunities for us to deepen our relationship with him, showing us that he's actively involved in our lives. James 1, 2, and 3 says this, my brethren, you've heard this before, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, it works patience or consistency. I'm going through something right now and I realize that this has nothing to do with God putting something on me, but because I live in a world full of corruption and sin and because unexpected things happen to everybody and Jesus already forewarned me that I would have some problems. When I'm going through this, I reach back and grab hold to this word in James 1, 2, and 3 and I just count it all joy. Not because it happened, but because I know what I'm facing is only going to make me stronger. It's only going to make me more consistent. It's only going to make me more determined. I'm only going to come out on the other side better than when I went in. Why? Because it's trying my faith. And when my faith gets tried and I walk through it, it gets stronger for the next trial. First Peter 4, 12 through 14 says it like this. It says, beloved, don't think it's strange concerning these fiery trials, which are to try you as though some strange thing is happening to you. Again, Jesus told us this was coming. If we read our word, we don't have to be surprised by trouble. He says in verse 13, he says, but rejoice, give God praise. It says, in so much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Verse 14 says, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. He then goes on to say, uh, for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, 
but on your part, he is glorified. See, when bad things happen to people in the world and they don't know God, they blame God for it. They say, oh, this happened because God ain't real. God's not love. God don't care about me. He says, no, but when things happen to you and you walk this thing out on your part, God gets glorified. So you got to ask yourself, which team are you going to be on? The team that glorifies God or the team that blames God for everything that happens? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm going to spend my time glorifying God. That's exactly what happened. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in 2 Chronicles 20 and 17 when Jehoshaphat was faced with the problem. Well, what did Jehoshaphat do? He got before the Lord, he called a fast, and he got a word. And what was the word that came to him? 2 Chronicles 20 and 17. It says, you shall not need to fight in this battle, Jehoshaphat. All you got to do is set yourselves and stand still and then see the salvation or the deliverance of the Lord with you. He says, oh, Judah and Jerusalem, fear not. There's that word again, fear not. See, you can't be in fear and faith at the same time. You got to decide which one you're going to pick. Are you going to be in fear or you're going to be in faith? Because if you are in fear, then these scriptures we read it won't work for you because you're in fear. You got to be in faith because that's how the word of God gets attached. It gets attached through faith. He says, fear not. And don't be dismayed. He said, tomorrow go out against them for the Lord will be with you. Did you see that? The Lord will be with you. What do I mean? He has your back. He has your back and all shall be well. I came by to tell you this morning, God is not just sitting up in heaven, just passively watching on the sideline. God wants to be an active defender and an active protector in our life. Now, why does God support us like this? Because this is important for us to know. Why does God do this? First of all, he does it because he's designed, engineered, and empowered his spirit to rise against our enemies. When life's challenges try to swamp us, God's spirit steps in. His Holy Spirit that's in our lives, it rises up and steps in and offers divine protection and strength. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, likewise, the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, also helpeth our infirmities. Wherever we're weak, Holy Spirit makes us strong. Wherever we're struggling, he supports us. It says, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit, that Holy Spirit. That's why we tell you those four commitments. One of them is practice praying in the Holy Spirit. It said it makes intercession for us for with groanings, which cannot be uh, uttered. What do I mean by that? It simply means this. When we allow Holy Spirit to come into our lives and we commune with him daily, when we get sucker punched, when we end up in a dark space, when we find out that something's going on that's troubling us in our lives, circumstances are not what they should be. It says the Holy Spirit on the inside of us will rise up and begin to give us answers and clarity and revelation for those things that we don't even know we how to fix. It says, and sometimes we don't even know how to pray against it. He says, and that's why we pray in the Holy Spirit. We pray in the Holy Ghost. And what happens is the Holy Ghost then begins to make intercession for us with groanings and utterings that cannot be understood in our natural sense. 
And that is the reason we tell you as believers, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in is on the inside of you. And he is called the paraclete. He's called the teacher. He is he he is dudamus. He is power. And it works on the inside of you to give you the advantage, to give you the advantage. That's the first reason why God has got our back, because he put Holy Spirit in the earth to be available to be inside of each, every one of us. And because it is designed, Holy Spirit is designed, Holy Spirit is engineered and Holy Spirit is empowered to rise up against our enemies. So when an enemy presents itself against me, Holy Spirit does what it's designed to do. The second reason, the second reason that God has got our back is because God has strengthened us in partnership with the Redeemer. God has strengthened us in partnership with the Redeemer. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 59, verse, verse 20, and it talks about him as a Redeemer. And this is what it says. Isaiah 59 and 20 says, and the Redeemer, that's Jesus Christ, shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. In other words, Jesus is our ultimate support, shielding us from enemy attacks, freeing us from sin, and even rescuing us when we get in trouble. Jesus embodies God's promise never to leave us or forsake us. It is the reason he went to the cross for us. It's the reason he went to hell for us. It's the reason that he took captivity captive and came back and gave us the victory. Praise God. God has got your back and all will be well. Listen, I am telling you, God has got your back. In fact, if you keep reading from Isaiah 59 and 20, where he says, and the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. Look at the next verse. The very next verse in verse 21 tells us that we are secure because there's been a covenant made to secure us. That's why I love so much that we start off our guiding word by when he says, I am your father in covenant. I am your father in covenant. Because now if you just look here, in Isaiah 59 and 21, here's what it says. He says, as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. The Lord's from, even back then, he's reminded, I got a covenant with Abraham's seed. And you and I are seed of Abraham. If, we, if you're a born again believer, you have been grafted into that family. You are, through legal spiritual adoption, a child of Abraham. And God cut a covenant with Abraham for his seed and his seed, seeds, and forevermore. And so it says, as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is up on thee and my words, which I have put in thy mouth, they shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seeds, said the Lord, for henceforth, and forevermore. That covenant that God cut with Abraham is still in existence today. You and I are the seed of Abraham. He is our father in covenant. He is our father in covenant. And because of that, 
God has got our back. And because God has got my back, I can look around this world and see everything going to hell in a handbasket and not be moved, not be shaken and not be troubled. Why? Because all is well. Because all is well. Why? Because God, even in his guiding word, says to me, I got you. God says, I got you. So whatever I go through in 2024 and the next however many years I live, I'm not going to trip anymore. Why? Because God's got me. And he says, all shall be well. How can I trust that? Because the same covenant he cut with Abraham is in existence. And God says in his word, if you can break my covenant, he says, the only way my covenant will be broken if daytime ceases from being daytime. Glory to God. And nighttime ceases from being night. He says, other than that, this covenant that I have with you, it shall always remain. God is my father in covenant. I'm here to tell you this morning, church, that the covenant isn't just an agreement. It is an agreement, but it's not just an agreement. It is so much more than just an agreement. It is a divine promise that God's spirit and God's words will always be in us and with us, spanning generations and assuring us of God's eternal presence and protection. I know you've probably been putting it in the comment section. I haven't looked over there in a second, but if you haven't, put it in the comment section again. God has my back. God's got me. God's got me. How do I know God's got me? I read in Psalms 119 in verse 96 out of the Amplified Version. You know, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, I have seen that everything human has its limits and everything human has its end. No matter how extensive it is, no matter how noble it is, no matter how excellent it is, it has its limits. It says, but God, your commandments, your words, your promises are exceedingly broad and they extend without limits into eternity. My God, my God, my God. He says, my word, that promise I made with Abraham, that covenant I cut with him, he said, it's so broad, it exceeds into eternity and it has no limit. Even though you've seen that everything human has its limit, no matter how excellent or extensive or how noble it is, at some point it has a limit. He says, but my word, glory to God, has no limits. It has no limits. And then I was reading it this, this week out of the contemporary English version. And I loved it because it's so plain and simple. Psalms 119 verse 96. I like the language out of the Amplified. But the contemporary English version says it like this. It says, nothing is completely perfect except your teachings. Nothing. Nothing is completely perfect except your teachings. So when life storms overwhelm you, you got to remember, nothing is completely perfect except for God's word. So if I get God's word, I can get perfection over whatever I'm facing. I can get perfection over whatever troubles I'm going through. I can get perfection over all of that if I just learn, praise God, to take in his word because his word will perfect me. Another scripture I want us to look at is, is the scripture that really talks about what happens when these troubles come on us, right? 
Psalms 91, one through four tells us this. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high, that person shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the almighty. It says, whose power no foe can withstand. That's why I love the amplify because it amplifies sometimes certain things for me. It says, whose power no foe can withstand. Verse two says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God and on him I will lean and rely and in him I confidently will trust. Verse three says, for then he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. It says, then he will cover me with his pinions. And when I read that, I had to look up the word pinions to see what it meant. And here's what it said. It says, the pinions are the outer wings on large flight birds, flight, L-F-L-I-G-H-T, flight birds. And, and they're used to help uh, the, the bird take flight in the air. So when you read this, it says that God's going to cover us metaphorically with his pinions. He's going to cover us with his wings. It's not just going to give us cover, but allow us to soar, glory to God, above our problems, to soar, glory to God, above all of our issues, to soar above anything that we're facing. We need to run to him, declare him as our refuge, declare him as our fortress. And he says he will deliver us from the snare of the fowler, he will deliver us from the deadly pestilence, and he will cover us with his pinions. He says, and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. As he's flying you above those problems, you'll start to trust him even more. Every time he flies you above a problem, you will trust him even more. People say, Pastor Edwin, how can you trust God so much? Baby, I got so many testimonies in my Bible of TNT, tried and true. I can't not trust God. He's shown up too many times in my life and came through too many times when it didn't look like nothing was going to happen. I don't have a choice but to trust God because it's all I know. It says, it says that his truth and his faithfulness. Somebody ought to say God's faithful. Somebody ought to say he's faithful. God is faithful. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler for us. Understand this. As we navigate life's valleys, as we go throughout this year, I am imploring you, fellowship of champions. I'm begging you. I'm beseeching you on the mercy, on behalf of the mercies of God that you cling to the assurance that what was given to us in our guiding word this year is true. And that is that he is our father of covenant. And that is we are not to worry about anything we see happening all around you. And that we are to understand that God has got us. And that as a result, all will be well. All will be well. If I was you and I was listening to me preach, I'd be saying amen right now. I'd be saying glory to God. I'd be saying hallelujah. I'd be saying preach, black man. I'd be saying go on, pastor. I'd be saying all is well with me. God is my father in covenant and he has my back. If I was you, that's what I'd be saying to me this morning. Glory to God. Glory to God. Understand this, as born-again believers, we are cloaked in his goodness. We are cloaked in the goodness of God, his strength, and most importantly, his blood 
And as a result, we are more than conquerors. Type that in the comment section too. Say, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. How do I know I'm more than a conqueror? Because I read my word and my word tells me I am. In Romans 8, 37, it says, nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Romans 8, 37. And then in 1 John 5, verse 4 through 5, it says, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. It is our faith. Our faith, the faith that God has given us. He says, I've given every man the measure of faith. And because he's given each of us the measure of faith, then we have what is necessary to overcome the world because we know that faith comes from God. And so if I'm in God and a problem comes at me, greater is he. Come on, somebody preach with me this morning. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Verse five says, who is he? that overcome the world. Somebody say me, <laughs> it's me who overcomes the world. He says, who is he that overcome the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? I do. I believe he is God's only begotten son. I believe he came to earth, died for us, went back to heaven and sitting at the right hand of the father and now has given us the victory and dominion over everything in this earth through the power of our word. I believe it. As a result, I overcome the world. I don't have a problem this world can't fix. I know somebody said, ooh, I don't want to say that because what if some, I don't have a problem. This world can come against me and, and, and stop me from, from being who God called me to do. I, I don't, there's not a problem in this world that can't be fixed. There's not a problem in this world that can't be fixed with the word of God. There's not a problem in this world that can't be fixed. Because I got the word of God. You ought to type that in the comments and say, I got the word. So I got the answer. Glory to God. I got the word. So I got the answer. Why am I so excited about this? Because 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 tells me I ought to be. It says, now thanks be to God, which causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savior of his knowledge by us in every place. In other words, everywhere I go, I got the answer. You drop me into a situation where I've never been before. I can pray and ask God. And the Bible says any man who lacks wisdom, if he asks God, God will give to him unabraded and give to him liberally. So you can drop me anywhere on the face of the planet. Drop me in any situation. And baby, I want you to know I am not without the answer because where I am, Jesus is. And where Jesus is, there's the answer. And I am telling you that that's how we got to start living as believers in 2024. I have the answers. I am the solution. Why? Because I'm smart, because I got so much book sense, because I got so much connections. No, because God is in me. And, and, and Philippians 4.13 tells me I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let me just say this. When you feel alone or when the night seems endless, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect, they can find its anchor in the Lord. 
You don't have to be um, troubled by depression and anxiety and fear and all of those things that are not of God. You can trouble your soul with the word of God. When you begin to trouble your soul with the word of God, this thing we're talking about this morning, about God having your back, it settles you. It settles you. How do we know this? Because again, the word teaches this to us. This is why we are a word-based Bible teaching church, okay? We may not have all of the entertainment that everybody else have. We may not have all the glitzy lights. We may not have all the fun things happening, but I'm telling you, we are going to teach you how to live by faith. We are going to teach you how to walk in love. We are going to teach you how to experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. And you have to make the decision that you want to be a student of God's word. And if you do, I'm telling you, you will learn to dominate in every arena of your life. Hebrews chapter six, verse 18 and 19 out of the Amplified Classic Version. It says that by two unchangeable things, God made his promise and he made an oath in which it was impossible for him ever to prove false or deceive us. In other words, it was impossible for God to lie. It says we who have fled to him, Remember, we've been talking about running to God for refuge. When problems happen, we don't run from God. We run to God so he can hide us under the pinions of his wings. It says, for those of us who have fled to him for refuge, we might have mighty indwelling strength, glory to God, and a strong sense of encouragement to grasp and hold fast to hope that has been appointed for us and set before us, it says in verse 19, now we have this hope, the hope we get from running to God. We have it as a sure and steadfast anchor for our soul. It says it cannot, and I love this in the Amplified Classic, this hope that we have, this anchor that we have in God and his word and his ability to be our father of covenant, to have our back and to know that all will be well. That hope, he says, it cannot slip. Glory to God. It cannot break down under whoever steps out on it. I'm telling you, if you will step out of hope, you cannot fail. You cannot slip. You cannot fall. I am here to tell you that God will always hold you up. Glory to God. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you even unto the end. It says that kind of hope, it reaches, glory to God, farther. And it enters into the very certainty of God's presence deep within the veil. Now, I know those are a lot of words, but I wanted you to have it because I want you to go back and read it. Hebrews 6 through 8. And uh, Hebrews 6, I'm sorry, let me slow down. Hebrews 6, 18 through 19. I want you to go back and read that because it's so good. It says that that hope, the hope that you have, it's why I don't get disappointed hardly ever. And if it happens, it happens quick and then I'm over it. Why? Because that hope that I have in Jesus Christ, it cannot slip. It cannot break down. It says it won't falter under whoever steps out up on it. Again, I like it in the classic, the, the contemporary English version. 
Read it out of the Amplified Classic and then read it out of the Contemporary English Version. It says it like this. It says in, in plain English, God cannot lie, period, on everything, period. God cannot lie. And so his promises and vows are two things that can never be changed. We have run to God for safety. Now his promises should greatly encourage us to take hold of the hope that is right in front of us. This hope is like a firm and steady anchor for our souls. In fact, hope reaches beyond the curtain and into the most holy of holies. I'm telling you, you got to get you some hope. If I don't do nothing this morning, I want to encourage you to have hope in your father of covenant. I want you to know this guiding word is not just something we put together to be hype about. God gave us this word and then he gave us all of the scriptures to line up with it because he says, I don't want you to think that somehow this is something you're going to do on your own. What I've told you going to happen in 2024, these are the days I've long expected for you. Glory to God. I long expected them for you. He says, now go back to everything that you study, everything that you were, that you read and watch and see how my word lines up to hold you up in this time. You are more than a conqueror. The Bible says this in Psalms 119, 105. It says, Lord, your word is a lamp for my feet. It is a light for my path. Notice this verse speaks to the guidance that God's word provides for us. That's why in the commitment we say one of the things you got to do is you got to read your word every day. You got to become a student of the word. Why? Because his word is a lamp unto your feet. It is the light that will illuminate your path. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 25. It says, therefore, everyone, everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine, and then puts them into practice. So you can't just be a hearer only. You got to be both a hearer and a doer of the word. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house up on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on a rock. When you build your life on the word of God, when troubles come, you will not fall. Isaiah chapter 40, verse eight says it like this. It says the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. Glory to God. The grass is going to wither. The flowers are going to go away. In other words, the things that are good in your life now, they may not always be good, but guess what ain't ever going to change? The word of God. He says the word of God is going to endure forever. Now, listen, champions, I got to get ready to go to the huddle. But as I close, I want you to let these words sink into your heart. Hear me when I say this. Because of Jesus, we get to walk in the certainty of God's love. We get to walk in the robustness of his presence. And last but not least, we get to walk in the security of his promises. I am telling you, God has got your back. The Bible says in Psalms 18 and 2, the Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and my horn of salvation. He is my stronghold. I cannot fail with God. There may be some times that things don't work out like I think they should, but it's not a failure. It's a learning opportunity.
It's an opportunity to grow my faith. It's an opportunity for me to watch myself learn how to stand under pressure. It's an opportunity for me to become greater in my peace, knowing that what God has promised, he is faithful to bring it to pass. I am telling you this morning, FOC, I am telling you champions, I am telling you friends and family, I am telling you visitors that God has got your back. He's got your back today. He's got your back tomorrow. He's got your back forevermore. God has got your back. And on top of that, all shall be well. All shall be well. Listen, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says all scripture is God breathed and all scripture is useful for teaching and all scripture is useful for rebuking and all scripture is useful for correcting and for training us up in righteousness. It says, so the servant of God, that's you and I, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why we don't despise repetitive teaching. It's why we, 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 we value the word at FOC more than we value entertainment. Now, don't get me wrong. We love good worship. We love good songs. We love to be excellent in how we present it and how we put it together. But at the end of the word, if you at the end of the day, if you gave us a tent, and somebody to teach the word to us. We are mature enough to sit down and hear that word, to absorb that word, and to then practice that word and see it lived out in our lives. Why? Because we love God in his word. We love God in his word. This is my last closing. Romans 15 and 4. Last scripture I'll leave you with, and I got to go to the huddle. We're going to have a good time. If you're not here, you, you can still got time if you're in the city to get here. You still got time to get here. And if you didn't make it to this huddle, you don't want to miss February 25th. You want to come to that huddle. It's going to be amazing. Romans 15 and 4 says, for everything that was written in the past or everything that was written beforehand, it was written for our learning or it was written to teach us. That's why we read the word. That's why we study the word. Because now we don't have to wonder if God's got our back. His word is littered with his promises of how he's got us. It says, so that through the endurance taught in the scripture. See, there's some folk who went through some stuff. There's some folk in scripture who don't went through more than what you don't went through. You ain't never been in lion's den. You ain't never been put in the fiery furnace. You ain't never had your family sell you into slavery. You ain't never been in the desert. You may have been hungry, but you ain't never been in a famine. See, there, there, there's some folk who we can we can learn from who taught us how to go through when things weren't easy. You ain't never faced the Red Sea and had an army to your back in a sea in your front and didn't know how you were going to get away. You That ain't never happened to you. That ain't never happened to you. You ain't never had plagues to, to, to impact you. You ain't never had a promise that you had to go into your house and put blood of a lamb across your doorpost so that your first son wouldn't be your first son wouldn't be killed. That, that's never happened to you. That's never happened to you. So what we're going through is what we call a light affliction. Yeah, yeah. What you're facing is a light affliction. I'm not trying to downplay it as not being traumatic, but it's a light affliction. He says, what you can learn from these people in the word is how endurance was taught to them. And then how, because of their account, this endurance now being taught to us in scripture can come and encourage us and provide us with hope. 
provide us with hope. Listen, let me say this one more time as we go. God says, I am your father in covenant. God says, stay calm no matter what you notice happening in the world around you. He says, I've got you. I got you, baby. I've been had you. When, it, when you didn't think I was there, I had you. And then number four, he says, and all shall be well. All shall be well. Listen, saints of God, I love you. I got to go. I got to get ready for this huddle. We're about to have an amazing time. If you're not here, pray for us. Pray that people be delivered. Pray that their ears will be open. Pray that their eyes will be open. Pray that their minds will be open. Pray for the saints that they will have an illumination that God has got their back. I got to go. I love you guys. I'll check you next week. Remember, all the things we have to happening during the week, Monday Strategies for Success, Tuesday, Ed Talk will start up in February. Wednesday at 6, we have prayer. 6.15, we have Ignite. At 7, we have Refresh Bible Study. On Fridays, we have the Champion Circle, 6.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. The champions come together and pray because we believe something supernatural happens when we pray. And then next Sunday, Pastor Chris will be back, 9 o'clock a.m. on her page, Christian Valley Worships. If you haven't subscribed and liked, you need to do so. Join us for worship at 9 a.m. And then as soon as that is over, hop right back on over here. And Pastor Sean and I'll be back with you next week in the studio teaching you how to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. Amen. God bless you. Bye-bye.